Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 58th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony with you guys tonight. Anthony is joining me via Zoom as we're going to take you through Carolina's win over Elon last night in the Smith Center. Get to our get get get, get to the box score, quote of the game, stat of the game, um, and then more just general thoughts from the the win over Elon. A buddy will start. Carolina gets an 80-63 to 63 win over the Phoenix. Uh, it was the fourth consecutive game where Carolina has given up 63 points or fewer. That has not happened since the beginning of the 2012-2013 season for Carolina. And I think the game went about as – as we were expected it was going to. We expected Carolina to win, but we didn't expect Carolina to play well and win, and that was certainly the case. They posted up season lows um, in shooting. Turnovers were, were a problem again last night. They left a lot to be desired, but um, considering they hadn't played a game in six days, they still look like a team that is still trending in the right direction, which they are because they've now won four in a row um, since losing back-to-back games at Connecticut three weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, you see those statistics, and it's amazing just how quickly Carolina was able to shift from one of the worst defensive teams in the country to one of the better defensive teams in the country. Um, and, you know, this was kind of what we thought we could see from them. We, we were so excited about this group in the preseason because of the athletes and, and the guys that they had. And yeah, I, I think that it's starting to show now. I mean, yeah, there were still some moments last night where Carolina gave up some open looks. But um, I think, you know, it's just you've you got to give credit to a lot of these teams, as you pointed out, uh, multiple times last night. Elon did a great job screening 
um, you know, throughout the night. And I think that's part of what Carolina has been facing, um, you know, th- throughout the last couple of years when it, when it's come to some of these teams that have been able to have a lot of success on them. But Carolina's definitely made some adjustments here over these last uh, four games. And, and look, these are definitely not the best offensive teams statistically that they're going to play. I mean, every time that we, you know, have previewed a game, we've kind of talked about the fact that these are teams that are not shooting all that great. But this was an Elon team that came in shooting very well from beyond the arc. And early on in the game, Carolina was letting up some shots from the outside. Uh, Elon got off to a great start. I believe they were four of four from the field to begin the game, if I remember that correctly. And that could have been one of those games like early in the season or during the last couple of years where Carolina just looked and said, well, we're going to have an off night. And we've got to find a way to just try to outscore them. And that wasn't what it ended up being. Carolina responded. Um, and and it was very similar to the sort of games that we've been seeing here, uh, especially in the last three, where Carolina came out in the first half and, you know, didn't look anywhere near as crisp as you probably hoped. But in the second half, when they needed to, they pulled away. And, you know, got a pretty comfortable win. So uh, it's it's definitely one where you want to clean up a lot of things. But it's like I said to you when we were uh, when we were riding back last night, you played uh, one of your one of your worst games, you know, offensively of the season, if not your worst game offensively of the season. Uh, You could debate that with the Tennessee game and you still scored 80. So I think that just shows where this team is at in terms of their offensive firepower, you've got guys that just find ways to get in rhythm and step up. And last night, it was Caleb Love and, and Dawson Garcia that got the job done for the Tar Heels when you know, the rest of the team really didn't have their best night overall. Let's take a look at the box score for Carolina. They only shot 39% from the field, 23 of 59 compared to Elon. Elon shot 43%. They were 25 of 58, three-point shooting. Carolina just 7 of 23, so 30% from behind the three-point line. Carolina entered the matchup, top five in the country in three-point shooting. Elon, though, just 8 of 29. The Phoenix entered the game making over 10 threes per game, so Carolina held them below their season average. Here was the really the deciding factor in the game in more ways than one. Carolina... 27 of 35 from the foul line, 77%, compared to just five of nine from the foul line for Phoenix. Uh, both teams committed 16 turnovers. Carolina, though, converted 23 points off of those turnovers, while Elon just got 17 points off of Tar Heel turnovers. Rebounding, Carolina was phenomenal. They out rebounded the Phoenix 48 to 24 including 15-2 to two on the offensive glass. Collins was able to convert those 15 offensive rebounds into 17 second-chance points. Elon's bench did outscore Carolina's bench 15-14, to 14, mainly because Brady Manick had his worst, his worst game of the season so far, just four points, two of eight from the field, 0 of six from behind the three-point line. Points in the paint, just 30 to 26 in favor of Carolina. The big reason was because how often Carolina was at the foul line. Fast break points, 19 to 4, favor of Carolina. Blocks, 4 to 3, give the advantage to Elon. Steals, Carolina, of those 16 turnovers they forced, 12 of them were steals. They outstole the Phoenix 12 to 8. Both teams had 
11 assists through uh, in in the ball game. Let's go ahead and move on to this the quote of the game. Following the game, Huber Davis was asked about Caleb Love, who had those 22 points, which were tied with Dawson Garcia for the game high, about what's leading to his success and why he is he is definitely taking that freshman to sophomore jump. Hubert said, I think the biggest thing for Caleb is, is that his work ethic has continued to be great, but his shot selection has gotten better. He's taken better shots. And when you take better shots and you're a good shooter, your percentage are going to look good. And I, he thinks that's a huge reason why Caleb is, a, is in a nice rhythm on the offensive end. He was four of seven from behind the three-point line. And he really took the game over for Carolina midway through that first half into that second half. Let's go to the stat of the game. There was a lot of different things we could have chose from. It was free throws, maybe rebounding, fast break points as those 19 were a season high for Carolina, but ultimately we went with the free throw disparity. Carolina, as I mentioned, 27 of 35, while Elon was just four, uh, five for nine. Carolina started the matchup 18 of 19 from the foul line, and that was before Elon even attempted a, a foul shot in the ball game. And in the previous two games combined, Carolina had only uh, uh, managed managed to attempt 10 free throws. So during that six-day layoff from that Georgia Tech to last night's game against Elon, an emphasis and a rededication to put the ball inside, be aggressive, tack in the basket, and get to the foul line. And that was the big part of Carolina's offense last night, simply because they weren't making the perimeter shots like they were able to. And Elon didn't have the guards that could stay in front of Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, even Anthony Harris, who was 6 of 6 from the foul line. And then they didn't have the inside to compete with Armando Baycott and Dawson Garcia at the like. And I thought it was really good to see Carolina kind of change their, not their philosophy, but just their attack mode. Instead of settling from three-point shots, let's get aggressive, let's get to the cup. Because usually if you're a perimeter shooting team, you just live and die with those perimeter shots. Had Carolina lived and died, they would have died last night. This game could have been a lot closer. They even could have gotten upset, but they didn't. They adjusted their mindset, got to the rim, and that's what makes this offense really fun and really effective is, as you mentioned, they got to 80 points, but they did it on just shooting 39% from the field. They had 74 possessions. They scored on 37 of them, so they scored on half of their possessions um, for 1.021 points per possession uh, in last night's game. That free throw thing is going to be something to really keep an eye on, though, because, if, as I mentioned, if you can shoot 75% or better as a team, you're going to be really tough to beat. And then those volume of free throws, if Carolina gave to the foul line 20-plus times a night, that's really a good number to hit. And I thought that was a big key for Carolina simply because they weren't making shots from the field in that first half. And that's what kept them in the game early on, allowed them to take the lead going in into the halftime. And then that second half, they put the Phoenix in foul trouble and Carolina was in the bonus before the under 12 timeout. So they were able to get points with that clock stopped and really expand that lead and control the tempo in that second half. Yeah, I mean, it was it was crucial because, as you mentioned, I mean, you shoot 39% from the field. And, I mean, Elon didn't shoot much better than you, but still they, they outshot you. And it was definitely, I think, the roughest night uh, of the season for Carolina uh, in terms of perimeter shots. And they, they were a team that early on in the game looked like that was where they were wanting to live when they weren't driving the basket. They had a couple of nice drives to the cup early on. 
But a lot of their shots early on in the game, they were focused on trying to get that outside shooting going because they've had so much success from outside. And unfortunately, it didn't get going um, at, at any point. I mean, Brady Manick, as you mentioned, had his worst night of the season. Um, and, and really outside of Caleb Love, Carolina did not have – anything going uh, from beyond the arc consistently. J- Dawson Garcia, two of four. I think he hit his first two, missed his last two. But, um, you know, they, they this was definitely not the performance that they were hoping for from the outside. Uh, but you you respond by showing that, look, you know, this, this is another aspect that we have to this team. You know, we've got some guards that uh, can drive the hoop. And I, I thought, you know, especially for Anthony Harris, that that was very encouraging to see. Um, you know, you, you, again, just like a lot of the guys, and this popped up again last night, um, they didn't finish as well as they probably wanted to at the rim. That's something that, you know, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I was a little bit concerned about coming out of the first month of the season with this team. And I think it's still something that's going to be worth noting, especially in some of these close games. But, you know, in, in this game, even though he didn't finish at the rim, Harris got to the free throw line a few times. And uh, I, I thought that was that was huge, his aggressiveness early on, because, you know, they lose Armando Baycott early in the game because of foul trouble. He's out with two fouls early on. And all of a sudden, you guys kind of have to react. There was, you know, Manic was struggling. Uh, and, and so Carolina really didn't have that presence inside. The guards stepped up and said, look, even though the, we don't have the big man presence inside, we're going to drive the basket and, and try to make something happen at the rim. And they did. Um, and I thought that also did a good job of, of opening some things up, uh, you know, for the rest of the game and allowing Caleb Love to start to get into a rhythm uh, from the perimeter for himself. So, yeah, th- th- this was far from, you know, the greatest performance from Carolina offensively. But I think one of the things that it did show is that, this is a team offensively that can kind of adjust how they're going to play night in and night out. This isn't a Tar, a Tar Heel team that has to live and die with a certain aspect like they've had to do over the last couple of seasons, which has been, you know, either the inside game or, you know, when, Kay, when, when Cole Anthony was healthy, Carolina lived and died from the outside. That's not what this Carolina team is. There's not a specific element that they have to live and die by, per se. There's multiple different ways that they can you know, win games offensively. And they showed it uh, last night that, hey, look, even though we're not, you know, we don't have our, our best night shooting from the field, we're going to do something that we really haven't done since the first couple of games of the season. That, that, the, the free throw shooting and, and, and being aggressive to get to the foul line was something we really hadn't seen um, in you know a, a few weeks for sure, and really dating probably back to that game even against Brown was probably the last time that you saw them get that aggressive going to the hoop. So he really got a hand it to, to Hubert Davis and his staff and the guys for making the adjustments that they needed to. We're going to take a quick break. We'll give you this week's ad from DraftKings. Then we're going to come back and get more in-depth with the win over Elon, including a uh, – a discussion revolving some comments by a former Tar Heel uh, National Championship point guard. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you will be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets 
It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving new customers shots at millions of dollars and total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. Only one per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Really do hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers we've been giving you on the Four Corners and the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Get over to the, get over to DraftKings. Use those promo codes TBPN for mine, TPPN for Anthony's, and get you some great holiday cash as we close in on Christmas. So let's get more into in depth with with what Carolina uh, with last night's win for the Tar Heels and just some overall generalizations from this team. I told you this. Uh, midway through the second half when it was apparent that Carolina was going to win the game. This team is – they're winning games in different ways. And a lot of it is because they've played a lot of different opponents that want to play a different style, which um, has been very – was has been very beneficial. You look at the way College of Charleston wanted to play, which they they tried to run with Carolina and look where that got you. Um, you look at some other teams – even the losses like you had with Purdue and Tennessee, they played a different style, but that got you prepared for what you were going to see really in ACC play. Then you had the wins over Michigan and Georgia Tech, two teams that want to play different paces, play different defenses. And the thing is, is that Carolina, they have found ways to win last night. It was mainly on the offensive end where their offense wasn't clicking the way that we – had grown accustomed to him early in this season. And I told you this during the game, the best thing for them was to have that type of shooting night because you'd rather have that type of shooting night in the non-conference season and see how they respond as opposed to that game happening in January or February and that one game end up costing you, you know, an ACC regular season title or the difference between you playing on, you know, Wednesday at the ACC tournament as opposed to Thursday. And I thought Carolina handled it very well. I mean, look, they took 15 threes in that first half, made four of them. The second half, they were three of eight from behind the three-point line. So you could tell that the coaching staff got into the, the, the players' heads and their ears saying, look, guys, Let's quit settling. They can't guard you. They can't attack you, or they can't stay in front of you. Let's attack them and get to the rim, and they were they were able to convert those into 35 free throws, which they made 27 of them. The biggest thing that I think I've taken away, and it's something that I don't – I'm not going to say I disagree with it, but it's something that we're growing used to playing, is in the second half of these games, Carolina's become more of a half-court team. And – you look at the result, the result has been more beneficial because their offensive half-court sets are a lot more better. They're getting better spacing. They're getting better cutting. And usually those the offense runs through Armando Baycott in the second halves. Last night it was Dawson Garcia, 22 points tied with Caleb Love for that game high. 
And his versatility was a big reason why, because you could isolate him on the perimeter and he could get to the basket, draw a foul. And his passing is good enough for even if he got double teamed, um, he could pass out of it. He made those two three pointers, as you mentioned. And that was, you know, coming into the game, Garcia hadn't played very well on the offensive end because Baycott and Manic have been carrying you. He responded in a big night last night with Baycott and Manic both having off nights, but this The way Carolina is playing, where it seems like they're playing a different game every night and they're winning a different style every time it seems like they're they're winning, that's going to be invaluable because in, in, in conference play, you've got to win in different ways because you're going to see better competition with more advanced scouting, and they're going to be able to take away certain things that you do. So you got to find different ways to win. And now that Carolina's doing that in November and December, that's going to pay big dividends once you get into February and March. And it's why this team is is looking like the team they thought they, they we thought they were going to be entering the season. Yeah, and, I mean, and it's like you said, it's really about you know the different guys that can step up. I mean, as you said, Garcia. There's been a couple of times this year where they've where they've had to call on him and he's kind of stepped up. I mean, this was one of those games, and Purdue was one of those games. And both times he he's really done it. Um, you know, Baycott gets into the early foul trouble. He has to play a bigger role out of the gate because you know basically he becomes the guy inside. Um, you know, with with Manic, you know, trying to find something going on the outside, and and never really did. So yeah, you could tell that he was he was wanting to be more of the uh, aggressor in this game, and um, you know, to be able to get to the foul line as often as he did. I mean, eight to ten from there is just tremendous. I mean, a great you know, that, that's an area that I think he's got to utilize more because we've seen it throughout the year. He is a really good free throw shooter, especially for a big. So you want to see him be able to get to the foul line. And I think that's probably where he's going to be able to have his most success because, you know, he is a guy that at times throws up some wild shots. He, he definitely takes some head-scratching uh, shots for sure. And he has moments where, you know, he tries to drive to the basket and and ends up turning the ball over. It's just it, you, you described it. He's one of the more, you know, frustrating players overall because he is he is so up and down. But, um, you know, when he needed to step up last night, he did. Um, you know, Caleb Love needed somebody else to, to step up beside him, and, and, and he did that for Carolina. So this is the thing, you know, is not only is this a versatile team um, in terms of how they're able to win, but in terms of the guys that can step up, you know, this is a team that just seems to be prepared for just about anything. Um, you know, Carolina, there's been multiple times this year where, you know, guys have been have been looked to to kind of step into these roles for a guy that gets knocked out of the game early. I mean, even last night, you see uh, Leaky Black ends up getting hit in the face early on by an elbow and has to come out, uh, you know, early in the game. That's an area where Carolina could have panicked, especially with Anthony Harris having to come in and play uh, a, a pretty sizable role early on in the game. And he was a guy that hadn't played a ton for you, um, you know, throughout the season, not consistently. He comes in and just steps up and, and, and does exactly what he has to do. I mean, he played four minutes last night and had six points, all of them from the free throw line. So uh, it's just amazing how Carolina, these pieces are interchangeable in the lineup. And, it, you know, it's, it's, it's showing now on the defensive end, but it's been there all season on the offensive end where you can pretty much plug any of these guys in. And in past years, there would be lineups that you would put on the floor 
And I, you know, I would be watching games with you either in person or, you know, when we were just watching and, and, and talking after the game and everything. And, you know, you would say, look, there are lineups that you, you ask yourself, where's the scoring? Has there really been a lineup this year where we've actually had to ask ourselves, where's the scoring for this Carolina team? I don't feel like we've ever felt like that. And that really just shows how how willing and ready the depth is on this team, which I think is a credit to the coaching staff as well for how well they've prepared these guys. And it's it's really starting to feel like this is one of those teams that can be um, one of the top teams in the ACC, one of the top two teams in the ACC. We have been talking about that, you know, over the past couple of weeks, but I mean, the more and more you see this team here, especially in these last three games, it, it, it starts to feel like that for sure. We've mentioned the play of Caleb Love and Dawson Garcia. We're going to address it spe- uh, specifically right here. Um, after or, or going into Thanksgiving break and coming at, into that Michigan game, we had a discussion of does Caleb even fit what Hubert Davis wants to do and now that discussion just looks ludicrous he scored 22 points was 7 of 14 from the field four of seven from behind the three-point line including one from basically the logo four four from the foul line five rebounds and generally speaking he's been the best player on the court the last couple of games and his ability and his realization to know when and how to take the game over is really becoming fun to watch. He had a windmill dunk in the first half, which really brought that sparse Smith Center crowd onto its feet. He almost had another dunk in the second half that would have been an all-timer had he been able to complete that and put that guy on, on the poster. And this is something that he has scored 22 points or more in four games um, this season. He's improved his shooting from the perimeter, his decision-making. I know he had four turnovers last night, but his decision-making overall is still better. He he has become the floor leader that Carolina needs him to be. And, look, I thought one thing was very interesting was started to start the game, he started off the ball, kind of like what we saw at Georgia Tech. It was R.J. Davis handling the ball, running the offense. But midway through that first half, that got switched up. The ball got back in number two's hands, and he went to work. And all of a sudden, Carolina looked a lot better offensively. It wasn't, wasn't night and day offensively, but they, they looked a little bit more in rhythm, a little bit more in sync. And then for Dawson Garcia, I, I think this is what it's going to be with him. I, I don't think he's going to be consistently you know, your number two leading scorer, but I think he has the ability – and the awareness when when guys like when when Manic and Baycott aren't playing up to to par, he does have the ability to be a game changer. And I thought it was really important um, for his confidence level that Huber Davis ran that offense through him in that second half, and he was able to reward that with those twenty two points. Was six of twelve from the field, eight of ten from the foul line, got on the glass with those seven rebounds. And I think that's a big reason why, as you just said, um, about Carolina not having a lineup without not you know, without any scoring. There, there were times where had that, had that lineup been on the court last year, with if, if Garcia would have been a Tar Heel 
and Love was a freshman, there wouldn't have been a whole lot of scoring on the court. Now that's changed because Love's more aggressive. He's more determined. He's not going to settle. And he's just a so much better player. And then Garcia is just so naturally gifted that he can make the game look really easy. As I mentioned, I don't think Garcia is going to be your number two night in, night out. But I think he has the ability to. And I think Caleb Love is this team's – he's this team's best player. I think, you know, Mondo might lead this team in scoring, and he might be our most consistent player night in, night out. But Caleb Love has turned into this team's best player. And as we know historically, when Carolina's got a really, really good player at point guard, they're usually a really tough team to beat come March. I mean, the growth of this team has kind of gone along with the growth of Caleb Love. I mean, the last three games, Caleb's really stepped it up. I mean, especially these last two. And, I mean, it's just you've got to give him credit. I mean, yeah, I think I think the question of was he a legitimate fit at point guard for this team was – uh, you know, it was it was one that needed to be put out there at, at that time after the first month of the season because mm-hmm. you know this was still a guy that was kind of struggling with everything that went along with being a point guard. But you're seeing, I, I think, the offensive end of the floor is is what's going to get most of the headlines. On the defensive end, he has really stepped it up, and you can see that this is a team that's communicating a lot better and that reflects a lot on him and he's definitely becoming much more of a leader out there you could tell at the end of the game last night um he's a guy that's starting to demand a little more excellence because Carolina had the sequence where uh you know Elon went with the full court trap and they had a turnover and a couple of sloppy possessions and you saw him even with Carolina clearly in the lead for good shaking his head, disappointed with what was going on out there. So you're seeing a guy that's starting to step up and become a leader with his play. Um, and, and in terms of the offensive end, you're just seeing a, a more confident player. And we saw it early in the season. Um, you know, he, he had some moments that were a little bit quiet, but I think part of that may have also been because he's, you know, at times realized that R.J. Davis in those games where R.J. Davis just goes off and kind of takes over, he kind of let R.J. Davis do his thing. But I think he's now also starting to realize that, look, there are times where both you and R.J. Davis can play extremely well together. And, hey, even some of the other guys can join in. You need to be aggressive. We're looking for you to be that consistent guy. And he, he's starting to show that more and more. And, and, and that's what should be extremely encouraging. Last night, I think, is, is showing you that, yeah, this, this is a guy that's close or is right at being your best player right now. I mean, I, I think you might still lean Armando because of just how consistent he's been throughout the entire season. And he probably would have had better numbers last night if he doesn't end up getting those two early fouls, one of which, you know, we didn't think was a foul, but, you know, it is what it is. It wasn't a foul. You know, so I, I think you're, 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 you're definitely – you got to be encouraged by, by what you're seeing. And, and you're right. When your point guard is one of, if not your best player on the team, it's – it's going to be really hard to beat Carolina. And he's taking this predictable sophomore year jump that we saw 
most point guards take under Roy Williams. And I know that Roy Williams isn't there, but it feels like that is continuing uh, into this season with, with Caleb Love. And if he can continue to, to do this, especially if he can continue to shoot as well as he is from deep, that is going to be huge for this team because that is something that when Carolina has been at their best, you've seen your point guards that can be multifaceted on the offensive end. They can drive the basket and score, or they can stand back there at the logo and knock down these unbelievably tough threes. And the other thing that I think is really coming into his own, we saw it last year a couple of times um, where he would hit the shots, and but he was never able to string it together consistently. This year, he has taken – those step back jumpers to another level. And if he can continue to make those the way that he is, it's almost impossible to defend that shot because that's a shot where the defender is in good position, but you're able to create just enough space by the move that you make. Man, if he can continue to develop that, it's going to be extremely tough to stop him scoring wise the rest of the season. Want to touch on the rebounding really quick here. As I mentioned earlier, Carolina out-rebounded Elon 48-24, to 33-22 to on the defensive glass, 15-2 to on the offensive glass. I think the biggest thing to take away from this, not surprised that Carolina out-rebounded Elon by that margin, but Carolina so far this season hasn't been committed to getting to the offensive glass. One, because they have shot the ball extremely well. And two, there was simply a point where you just had to send guys back defensively because if not, you were going to give up layups and dunks even more than you already were giving up. Now that Carolina's gotten much better on the defensive end of the court, last night was the first time we've really seen this team need to rely on its second-chance offense to generate offense um, in that first half and even parts of that second half where the offense just bogged down, they weren't in rhythm, and, and stuff like that. And I think that's really important. I know under Hubert Davis are not going to be as committed to the offensive glass, and I get that. When you play the way he wants to play, given the lack of front court depth especially, you can't always send two to three guys to the offensive glass. But last night they needed to. And that ability to, I'm not going to say turn, turn it on, but and a lot of it was with their high advantage, but it was multiple guys getting to the glass. You had – Three guys or more with seven rebounds or with seven rebounds or more led by Leaky Black, who had a game high eight rebounds. Um, and, and so that 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 rebounding production, as I talked about so much over the summer, with this with with the change in philosophy and style of play, you've got to have other guys get into the backboards. Both of Carolina's guards and Caleb Love and RJ Davis gave you five rebounds as well. So that rebounding by committee approach really paid off last night for the Tar Heels. Fast break points really quick as well. Carolina has now posted they had 15 against Georgia Tech and 19 now against Elon. That's their most uh, back-to-back fast break points per uh, so far this season. Um, I think that's something else. That's another element of this offense. And I think – I think it's something that Hubert Davis and this team they 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 have become more selective and when they want to and, and when they want to play fast and when they want to push the ball in transition. Again, as a lifelong Tar Heel fan that watched this program under Roy Williams, that's an adjustment period because I want the ball up the court as quickly as possible, but they're also showing that diversity that that 
what's the word I'm looking for here? Diversity in their offensive attack to where they can score in the open floor. They can score in the half court. I'd like to see him get better at pushing the ball off of misses and try to get more layups that way. But this offense is still it's still evolving, and that's something that's going to be fun to watch. And the fact that they scored 80 points while only shooting 39% from the field and 30% from the foul line was really neat to see. Let's get into DeMarco Dunn because coming in, a lot of talk about him and Dontrez Styles not playing. He got extensive playing time in that first half, uh, you know, and, and, and into that second half at, at times as well. And I thought he, I thought he, the team benefited. He came off the bench, brought some energy. He didn't score the ball. He didn't. He didn't even shoot the ball. Did have an assist and did commit a foul. Hubert Davis said that look, you know, he earned the right to play with his uh, with his practice and his preparation leading up to the game. We didn't see a whole lot of Dontrez Styles, which I think is just something that is going to ebb and flow. He's going to play whenever um, he, he's either earned the right to play or whenever Hubert Davis wants to give him some playing time. But seeing Dunn on that court in the first half was really nice to see. I felt like Carolina didn't uh, – they didn't they didn't lose anything with him on the court. In years past, when you would see some of those lineups, you'd probably feel like, okay, you're, you're going to lose something for two to three minutes. I didn't feel like that with him on the court last night. Yeah, I mean, you didn't see any of Dontrez Styles at all, um, and I think there there were some people that were definitely not happy with that. Now I don't know what exactly went into that decision. I mean, Hubert Davis didn't say that there was anything specific that went into the decision. I, it is what it is. I mean, I I don't really feel like it was crucial that they got him on the floor there. I mean, I know some people are saying, look, you know, you need to get him out there because. This is one of the rare chances that you can get him out there. But I don't know. I mean, I thought the timing of, of putting Dunn in there was interesting um, with him coming in, you know, it w- under the 10-minute mark of the second half. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're right. He, he was out there and, and, and did a really good job and, and held his own. Um, and there were a couple of times you could tell that he's still a guy that's, uh, you know, working on, on getting better defensively and everything like that. But – you know, yeah, this was some valuable experience for a guy that hadn't played really any significant minutes so far this year. That's that that's one element that I think you've got to take into account with Styles is that Styles there, there was you know a couple of games earlier this year where he was in there um, for a few minutes during significant periods of time. Now, part of that may have been because Hubert Davis didn't like what he was seeing on the floor. At the time, and I think part of that, you know, that may have gone into the decision last night as well with Dunn. Um, but this was his first real significant action where Carolina, you know, the game was still, I guess, still in doubt. It never really felt like Carolina after, um, you know, the but you know the under eight timeout uh, of the first half um, really was in in danger of losing the game, but. Uh, you know, for him to come in and, and and give you those minutes was was nice and encouraging. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think all the guys around him did a really good job of making sure that they didn't put too much on him while he was out there. But it's good to see him get some minutes out there. 
um, and, and get to experience what it's like to be in those types of moments early on. And, you know, hopefully Carolina doesn't end up having to use them at, at, at some point this season in an extensive role, because that likely means that uh, you'll, you'll be having, you know, some sort of COVID issues or, uh, or injury issues, but um, you know, to get them out there and, and get a little bit of experience was important. And we'll see, you know, if they can find some more moments against Furman and, uh, and App State potentially where they can get these guys in. And, and you never really know in conference play either if there could be a point uh, where you can get some of these guys in. So it's not time to overreact on styles. And, you know, for, for Dunn, uh, this, this, this is just, you know, a little uh, chance to get a look at him and, and see exactly what he is at this point. And uh, I think it showed you some of the areas where uh, you've got to work on to try to help him improve over, uh, you know, the rest of the season and, and into next year. Did want to shout out Anthony Harris really quickly. Six points, all from the foul line in 11 minutes. I really thought he made an impact in that game. He had to come in unexpectedly when Leaky Black left with a cut lip for a brief period of time. And then he he was able to extend his minutes, brought an edge and some energy on the defensive end of the court um, and was running the offense the way the offense needed to be ran and just has really made an impact. You know, Hubert Davis said post-Georgia Tech, he thought he was the MVP of the game because he didn't play against Michigan, but really – was a, a, a big beneficiary to them winning the game at Georgia Tech. He followed that up last night with a really solid performance. We Yeah, I made a mistake. Here. I I said four minutes. I was reading his plus-minus stats. Yeah. Um, so not a bad plus-minus, um, but 11 minutes, yeah, it, it's – and he's, he's one of those guys, when you talk about guys that's roles have severe, I mean, his role has probably fluctuated as much as anybody's on this team. I mean, he's a guy that's had multiple games where he hasn't played at all. And he's had games where he's had to play significant minutes. And and last night was, was that again. And you're right, stepped up on both ends of the floor, looked aggressive driving the basket. Um, and, and that's an area that I, I think we, we want to see more of, uh, we, we didn't really see him off, offensively doing much, uh, in any of the other games that we've seen him so far this year, but I think we found a strength. And, and I remember that from 2019, you know, him driving the basket is, is his best chance to, uh, give us offensive production. So it'll be interesting to see going forward, if he can keep that element to his game. We talked a lot about entering the season that we thought Carolina had a really good chance to win the ACC. Um, I know I picked them to win the ACC, be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, and be the type of team that makes the Final Four. But it's safe to say after the trip to Uncasville, Connecticut, that seemed to be in doubt. Two, two, three weeks later, it looks like Carolina has round back into form into being an ACC contender, former Tar Heel point guard and now ACC network analyst Joel Berry made what as what we believe was his TV debut last night following Carolina's win over Elon and here's what he had to say about the Tar Heels so far this season. We got Joel on set talking North Carolina for the first time. I'm happy to hear it. What you got? Yeah, I'm going to stick to that, Luke. This is the best team in the ACC, I feel like. Um, And you know, Caleb Love, one thing about him, this is the type of 
thing you want to see from him taking that next step as a sophomore. You come in, you have a, a freshman year that was kind of rough. You come back and you have your alumni. You, you play during the, during the summer. You work out. You get better. And this is the product that he's putting out onto the court now. And this is what everybody was waiting to see. And like you said, he's a pro, and he is doing a great job. And, um, yeah, this man is balling right now. With a new coach. Look, you got to give the man a lot of props. You come out first time on TV and be, go ahead and say what you truly believe. There's a long way to go. It's it's still December 12th. You have, you've only played one ACC game, but you look around the ACC, there aren't there aren't that many great teams. You got only one team right now ranked in the AP top 25. That of course is Duke. Expect Carolina to be ranked uh, tomorrow as they prepare to head to play UCLA later this weekend in Vegas. The TV is going to want that game ranked just for ratings purposes and the fact that it's the Champions Classic, you know, they or the CBS Sports Classic, um, and having that number beside their name is really impactful. Um, and so I think I think that discussion is I, I think there's a, a, a legitimate discussion for Carolina to be the best team in the ACC or at least a second best team within the conference because they have a, a you know a really good home win over Michigan they did go to Georgia Tech and they got a nice road win over a conference opponent we've talked about them winning in different ways they've got five different guys averaging double figure scoring they've they've got a lot of attributes that leads you to believe that come February, come March, they're going to be playing meaningful basketball and they're going to be playing basketball at a high level. And I think what it comes back to is you got to give credit to this coaching staff because after after the, the Hall of Fame tip-off classic, there was questions and there was a lot of doubters um, of Hubert Davis, of his coaching staff, and of this team. And three weeks later, they've reeled off four consecutive wins. They've looked to go doing so for the most part. And all of a sudden, this team looks like they're rounding into the type of team we thought they were going to be when the season started. And, and the, the, they're going to be right there with Duke as a favorite to win the league, given the given that Florida State appears to be down. Virginia is clearly down this year. Syracuse, even with them returning most of their players from last year, they don't look any good. NC State lost their best player. Um, they lost a hard-fought game to Purdue earlier today. And so I don't know if it's going to add pressure to Carolina to win the ACC because that's usually an expectation year in, year out for this program anyway. But all of those preseason expectations now, they don't look too far out of the loop, which many people thought they were entering the season. Yeah, I mean, it, it, as you mentioned, I mean, a large part of it is the fact that the ACC around them is is not – I mean, it, it, we didn't think there was any way that the league would take a step back this year. Uh, they have. I mean, it is – I think right now it is very clearly Carolina uh, – Duke, Carolina. I would, I would probably still put Duke at the top there because of that win over Gonzaga right now. But it's probably Duke – Carolina, and everybody else. And I think that there is a pretty significant drop-off from Duke and Carolina down to everybody else. Um, because, yeah, I, I don't – I honestly don't know who the third-best team in the ACC is. So, for Carolina, this is, this is playing very well into your hands. And, you know, I think that 
you, you were kind of wondering how they would handle the pressure of that. Um, I think it, it, it was starting to become pretty well known, um, you know, especially after the Michigan win, but even heading into that Michigan game, that Carolina was going to have a chance to, you know, be that best team in the ACC outside of Duke. And they've handled that pressure pretty well. Um, I think with the way they're scoring offensively, there's no doubt. We talked about it. It's it, There's so many different ways that they can win games on the offensive end of the floor. Um, I think there's probably still a little bit of hesitation from people because of how they look defensively early in the season. I think people are still wondering when they get into conference play, when they start having to you know, play conference game after conference game, and especially on the back half of that schedule when they face what you would expect would be the tougher group of teams this year in the ACC, although that's not really guaranteed at this point, that you never know those, those issues could start to show back up. But I, I think that right now this team is doing everything that they need to do to put themselves in position to – be Duke's biggest competitor in the ACC. And yeah. I think it's it's interesting, again, I mean, look, Duke's got got some talent. They brought in a, a, a couple of transfers uh, as well that I think make them, may, make them a more veteran team in certain areas than they've probably been in the past. But Carolina is clearly the more experienced team of the group. So once again, it's going to be that younger group team, Duke group against – um, Carolina, who, who's going to have some veterans, even though some of those guys aren't veterans at Carolina, but they're going to have guys that have been in and around college basketball for a while. And it'll be that matchup of the young superstars, uh, you know, future NBA superstars potentially uh, against some of the wily veterans that Carolina has. And we'll see. I, I think Carolina is starting to show. I mean, if you would have said before the season – and especially after that Hall of Fame tip-off classic that, hey, Carolina's the team, uh, you know, is going to be on a level where they can compete with Duke. I think a lot of people would have looked at you like you were crazy. Right now, I definitely don't think that's crazy because I think there are still some questions about Duke as well at this point in the season. And Carolina's playing some really good basketball right now. I think the only thing that some people may be worried about is, is Carolina playing their best basketball at this point in the season? I don't think that's true. Um, I still think there's areas uh, to improve, especially with what we saw last night. So I think that's the reason why people should feel encouraged that Carolina uh, definitely has a chance to put together a really strong season in the ACC. And potentially at this point, if enough things go right, come out with that ACC regular season title. The only good news I know is that uh, remember I had Josh Graham on before the season started. He told me that there was no chance that Carolina was going to win the ACC, and the fact that they were billed as a legitimate ACC contender was kind of ludicrous. And after the Hall of Fame tip-off classic, I thought he was right. I think when I bring him back on later in the season, I'll be able to tell him that I was right, which is a regular occurrence on this podcast. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Before I let you go, I do want to get you guys to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where I had you covered leading up to the Elon game and post the Elon game. So get to the website, check out the, the recap from Carolina's win 
over the Phoenix. I'll be getting ready for Furman on Tuesday night and then UCLA on Saturday of this upcoming week. As for the football side of things, Carolina, getting ready for the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. That'll be December 30th, 1130 in Charlotte. But there's been some other football news um, with Sam Howell playing in the bowl game. Anthony's got a recent report up of a Tar Heel commit that had a big-time showing in a state final. Wednesday is National Signing Day. For Carolina football, we'll have you covered wall-to-wall with all of that. So make sure you get to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, for all your great football and basketball coverage. As for the podcast side of things, you know where to find us. We are on the Basketball Podcast Network. We host through Megaphone. You can find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, you name it. The Four Corners Podcast is there. Go ahead and uh, like the podcast, review the podcast, but most importantly, we do want you guys to hit that subscribe button. That way you get, that way you get every great podcast right there in your podcast library. Well, that's going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.